0: Here we go. Roll video. I think anybody creating something new must have an adventure. It's not cinema, it's something else. My advice to young filmmakers is to make a movie every week. The whole bag of movies can be learned in about a day
1: and a half. But suspense is essentially an emotional process.
0: You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make films, you gotta make it and get a scene. Cinema for me is a world of when I dream. Welcome to Behind the Slate. I am your host, Aaron Strand. We are still approaching our final shoot days for Withdrawal. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Withdrawal Film, And I really hope you've been enjoying these interviews and updates. I, I, it's been really fun to bring this kind of content and to have sort of new conversations with people. If you like what you've been hearing, be sure to give us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you use. Hit us with the five stars. Leave a few nice words. It would really go a long way to helping out the podcast. And I would be eternally grateful. I am so excited to talk to my guest today because she is going to enlighten us on a relatively new aspect of film work and something that I didn't know a lot about until I started working with her. And in many ways, I think it's kind of misunderstood. Christina Arjona is an actor, director, and intimacy coordinator here in Atlanta, Georgia. After a decade of working in front of and behind the camera, Christina became certified through the Intimacy Professionals Association and has gone on to work as an intimacy coordinator on both studio and independent productions. Now, I feel so, 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 so lucky that she has brought her talents to the set of Withdrawal, and. I can't wait to talk to her all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, Christina Arjona. Christina, how are you doing today?
1: <laughs> I'm good. That was such a warm intro. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I, I, I pride myself on my intros, you know? <laughs> um, let's, let's just start off. I don't want to bury the lead here at all. Um, before we kind of get into you and your story, just for anyone who doesn't know, either they're not a part of the film industry or they're a part of the film industry but hasn't experienced this on set what is an intimacy coordinator and why is it important
1: yeah so um my little spiel that i sometimes do is that you can think of an intimacy coordinator as sort of like a stunt coordinator for intimate scenes so usually people are more um, familiar with that idea but essentially we're there to make sure that any kind of intimacy or nudity that's filmed on camera for for any sag after productions and then also for non-union productions we're there to make sure that everything is done safely. It's within, the, um, it's within the consent boundaries of the actors. It's helping continue the vision of the director and the production, but making sure overall that we are following all of the safety rules, and we're there throughout the process to help that happen.
0: That's wonderful. That's, uh, that was certainly my, (laughs) my experience of, of working with you. Um, so talking about you a little bit, what drew you to be an artist in the first place? Did you always know that you wanted to work in, in film or theater?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was a, I was a creative kid. I was kind of doing my own little shows as a kid kind of thing. And then, uh, in middle school, I got to be in my first musical, and I got like one of the leads in like guys and dolls and uh um, <laughs> big break I was like big break, yeah, right, big break, and it was like I was playing I was like Adelaide, I was talking about being engaged for fourteen years when I was fourteen, and it was just it was just <laughs> all very silly um but it was really fun and uh at that time in my life, I've had a lot of very interesting um kind of ups and downs, but um I also like my father is a medical missionary and so I traveled a lot as a child and I did a lot of um different ways of connecting with different cultures and communities often using theater or performance that was kind of my way in and then when I was a little little older like late the beginning of high school I uh, had kind of a rough time in my family and I was either going to military school or I found an art school and I Auditioned for the art school, and I got in and um, so I moved into this Alabama School of Fine Arts at fourteen and it became my home so um I didn't think about it being like a career path really at that point it was kind of a saving grace for a lot of things that were going wrong in my life and I very quickly like gravitated towards being both in front and behind like uh, being on stage and then being um, I was scenic designing and directing and stage managing. And I just really liked being able to tell a story. I liked to be able to be someone else sometimes. And I liked being able to like, be a part of something bigger than myself. And that was my family. Um, And then that kind of sent me on my path. And then I went to college, I went to um, Elon University in North Carolina. And I double majored in a BFA in acting for stage and then, um, theatrical design and production, which I was literally the last year that they ever did that. They were like, this is too hard to do in four years. (laughs) So me and one other girl were like, we did it. We're done. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I did that. It was also had some ups and downs in that world as well. And then kind of found my way, um, I kind of took a break after of theater from some of the experiences I had there and then found my way into film um, after that. And so I was originally going to, I, I minored in Italian. I wanted to go work in Italian film. And so like after I graduated college, I went to Italy for like two weeks to go kind of see, like, okay, how can I make this? Because at the time, that was the second biggest film studio in the world. Um, And then the year that I went there was the year that their euro collapsed. And so I like walked up and they had a huge sign that was just like closing. (laughs) It's like, cool, cool, cool. Um, So now what? So I didn't move to Italy. (laughs) Um, and instead I went to Alabama, which is where my <laughs> mother is now. So very anticlimactic. Um,
0: so many stories start with, I was heading to Italy and I ended <laughs> up in Alabama.
1: And you know, it's not the goal, but it's what happened. Um, I had done like summer, uh, programs in New York and LA and it just wasn't the right fit for me at the time. And I went to, um, so I went back to Alabama, uh, my stepdad owns a taekwondo studio that I used to train at and I went back and I taught taekwondo for a little while, got some <laughs> money saved up trying to figure out what I was going to do and I ended up uh, writing a little sketch for, my mom is a professor at, the, at Auburn and I wrote a sketch for one of their little educational videos, they ended up casting it out of um, Atlanta the actress kept not being available. And then I was like, well, how about I audition for it? So they cast me in it. And they're like, why don't you have an agent? I was like, that's a great question. (laughs) And um, they helped me get my first agent. And that was in Birmingham. And then that agent, I was like, I don't really want to go back to Birmingham. Like I'd been there in high school, but I was like, I don't really want to stay. What do I do now? And uh, and they're like, well, we can help you get an agent in Atlanta. So I was ended up being lucky enough to have an agent in Atlanta before I moved to Atlanta. And I was like, well, I guess I'll, I'll move to Atlanta for a while and see how that goes. And what year, Uh,
0: what year are we at now? What year is this?
1: That was 2012,
0: 2013. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so I've been here, what, over 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. And yeah, I came here. I started auditioning for film and TV, booking some stuff and, was getting kind of frustrated with the kind of work that there was for women in their early 20s um, and also for me like I'm a very white passing Latina and I was just like getting just very not great roles for women and for Latinas and it was just like very disappointing so I started my own production company I started making my own things and um, won some contests won some stuff that got my company's name out there and started doing client work and then started moving into ad projects and that kind of grew and yeah so that all grew and then i had some experiences both as an actor and as an ad dealing with some intimacy elements on camera that i did not think were handled very well and that kind of inspired me to develop um a standard of protocols specifically for dealing with sexual violence on camera And I was teaching it. I was offering it at festivals and and doing all this stuff um, and offering it for free. And people were like, "Eh, I don't know, do we need that? Um, And it was kind of, you know, that experience. And then Me Too happened. And then people were like, actually, maybe we should do this. Um, And so in the wake of that is kind of when intimacy coordinators became more of a profession, more of a known and um, not required, but requested profession in the film industry. And then I was so excited that it was something I was already really passionate about was suddenly becoming a profession and not just something I was spending a lot of my free time and my, yeah, my free time doing, um, and I could actually have a career in it. So I've been chasing that ever since.
0: What a story. I love, I love how, (laughs) I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I didn't know that about you, but I do love, uh, finding out sort of just like you know, it's, just, it's just crazy paths that we take to get to where we are, uh, particularly in the arts that is so unstructured that it does not have a linear path forward and there's no one pushing you along to like get you there. And so it has, it leaves openings for some wonderful digressions into Taekwondo <laughs> and, and Italian and, um and ultimately, ultimately ending up at intimacy coordinating. Uh, it's pretty yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you feel that that, how do you feel that sort of experience um, uh, has shaped you as an artist today? Before we kind of get into like the intimacy coordinating coordinating stuff, I mean, at the core, you're an artist. Like, how has that sort of well-rounded, you know, uh, 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 finding your way through this path, how has that led to the artist you are today?
1: I feel like it helps me work with a lot of different types of people. I've worked, you know, I've trained and taught children taekwondo, I've trained, you know, I worked in different cultures and different languages. And um, I've been a director, I've been the actor in it, I've been the AD, I have a lot of empathy for everyone involved. And I have a lot of different styles of training. And so it has helped me communicate. Sometimes there are some communication issues between maybe a director and one of the actors, or different types of verbiage that people connect with. And I've seen that as one of my strengths that has really helped a lot of productions is that I can adapt pretty quickly to be like, oh, this is what is clicking for this person. And I don't really have an ego about it. I'm all about what makes this production happen. Um, So I feel like, yeah, all these unique places that I've come from, I have a lot of body training, a lot of empathy. Uh, My mother's a professor in human development, family studies. I was her guinea pig growing up. (laughs) <laughs> so I've, I've also taken a lot of different training in communication styles and, and different ways that people can connect. Um, so it's this beautiful modge podge. And I, I feel like I'm one of very few intimacy coordinators who also was an AD. And I do find that super helpful on set that I'm used to being aware of the schedule. I'm used to being aware of the different departments and respectfully working with all of them. And then understanding that it can be hard sometimes to shift into having an intimacy coordinator because we are new. And what is a closed set? What does it feel like to not be included in a closed set? And how do I still be very respectful of all those departments and know that they're very valuable, but understand that the work that we're doing, we might not need them in the room at that moment, but that they're they're super important to the production and they'll come back in. So I'm Very focused on validating everybody that I'm working with and making sure that it's a really positive environment for everybody. Because I feel like the goal is, we want to make something that's great. And we want to go home feeling good about the work that we're doing. And I think sometimes the mental health aspect of filmmaking is overlooked. So I really like being a part of that.
0: So you you alluded to you know some situations that sort of like were the impetus to you you know becoming seeking out this intimacy training and becoming an intimacy coordinator. Without going into specifics of, of those situations or to whatever degree you know you feel comfortable with, like what are some of the situations that are were ha- are happening on set or, or some of the circumstances that really sort of necessitate the need for intimacy coordinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things, because I don't particularly call out uh, the people that I had my experience with, because they learned from the experience. And in a lot of ways, I think that's a big part of it is that it's not always malicious people, it is people who are unaware, or are nervous about the situation and aren't communicating aren't handling it well, or are waiting until we're in the middle of it to make any kind of check ins. Uh, which is too late. And so part of what I think is really important is just the preventative side of it and normalizing Like we're going to have these meetings ahead of time. So by the time we get to set, we're a well-oiled machine. We already know what to expect. We're not surprising people on the day with any level of intimacy, of nudity, of sexual violence. Those are such core things that it has become part of a conversation and continued learning because it's, you know, especially in indie filmmaking, it's already kind of a learning experience to be like, if you're doing a stunt, you should probably hire a stunt coordinator. If you're at a small enough space that you can't afford that, you should be very careful of what kind of content you are shooting and what kind of dangerous physical situations you might be putting your performers in. It goes the same for intimacy. And it goes the same for especially sexual violence. You see a lot of indie films that really want to push the boundaries and the edges of everything and if you're newer to this craft, you still have a lot of things to learn that might be a more advanced element that you're maybe not quite ready for, or you have to be really thoughtful of how you're going to do it and not just figure it out on the day or just have actors, oh, well, you figure it out. It's, it's kind of what I say is it's sort of like asking your actors like, oh, you're going to do a fight scene. Just figure out the choreography on the day. You, you can just punch him. And that doesn't lead for a safe work environment for anybody. And so we treat intimacy in the same way. And I think helping people realize that because it had been treated so differently for so long, it's kind of like, why do we need this, has been some of the reaction. And then I'm on set. And then even, like, the hardest grips who are like, what are you doing here? I win them over by the end of the day, which I love. Um, And it's... I'm not there to slow things down. I'm not there to make things more difficult. I'm there to make things easier on everybody. And so much of it happens in the pre-production process. Like if you as the creative, as the director, as the producing team know your vision for these scenes ahead of time, that gives me the strength to be like, okay, here's what this actor, here's what we're thinking. Here's what the reason for this is. So if there's ever a level of nudity or something that you're not matching with, we can figure out what your vision is so that the actor can still feel comfortable. We can still tell that story, but maybe we adjust the size of the framing or we turn where the angle is. So we don't have the same level of nudity or whatever that element might be. So there's so much collaboration that can happen in the pre-production time because things will still change on the day. You know, things might not work the way you want it to, or you change your mind. We can always walk it back, but understanding the the most that we're expecting on the day ahead of time is so huge.
0: That's definitely was my experience um, in in working with you. I I think I kind of want to take, take a moment to sort of uh, share a little bit of how I came to like contact you because I do think it's somewhat, I don't know. I I could imagine other people kind of like having the same experience, um, which is that like, I was terrified to reach out to you. I mean, honestly, (laughs) Um, there, my like the part of me you know part of my ego was like definitely like up in arms of sort of like i don't think i need this and like i like this isn't how i you know started out um you know need you know intimacy coordinating wasn't part of sets 10 years ago (laughs) um there's also the part of me that was like and it's so weird how you can develop an ego about this sort of stuff but it's like i was in a lot of um super sexually exploitative work situations particularly in my early 20s you know it was like working at clubs where we had to sign NDAs that allowed us to be sexually assaulted and we couldn't hold anyone accountable and it basically was like you signing a document saying like hey this is like a part of your job wow. and and um and you develop a sort of weird sense of pride about that of like i learned how to like navigate this so, you know, you know, why, why shouldn't anyone else, you know, you know what I mean? And so all this sort of stuff was swimming around in my brain. Um, but I, I had gone to a panel that you had spoken at, at the Atlanta film festival, explaining um, a, a lot of the s- similar stuff that you're talking about now, the need of, of intimacy coordinating. And, and it was weird because that, that ego part of me was also battling with the like. <laughs> I mean, I don't use this language in my usual life, but this is popping into my head for some reason, the like, damaged inner child side of me from these same experiences that was like i don't want to put any actor like through that i don't want to i wouldn't want to put anyone in a situation where they were feeling unsafe and sort of like my core tenant beliefs that like look like dramatic art form is it's like it's supposed to be drama like it's supposed to be make-believe there's no sort of like oh let's get onto set and make it really real um i don't believe in that um uh, at any point, I think we earn the right to like play our way to reality, um, and and by creating parameters of safety to play within. You taught you use the idea of like the sandbox, right? Is this a sandbox that we can play in? And and I love that kind of language because I think that's the core of the art form. So anyway, all these sort of things were were battling back and forth in my head, and uh, I was listening to you talk up on stage, and um and then really the thing that did it was you were like, uh, you were like hey, I'm willing to consult no matter the budget. So, you know, please reach out to me, like even if you're a lower budget project. Cause I was also, yeah, as I was sitting in the audience, I was like, I can't afford this. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, so you said that, and that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin. It was sort of like, ah, oh, damn it. Like I've got to, I don't do have this. any
1: excuse now.
0: <laughs> I don't have any excuse now. Exactly, exactly. I I, I gotta reach out to this person. Um, and so, um, uh, and so I did and, the experience of working with you was so uh wonderful in so many ways that I could not have predicted um, the, the 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 metaphor that you use for a stunt coordinator um, I thought is is brilliant and just in the same way, you would never ask well I would never ask Hopefully, an actor yes. to come on stage and be like, "Ah, just kick him in the stomach you know like we're going for reality here, right." <laughs> Like we just wouldn't do that because it's like you got to do this for six takes, and I mean it's a bad idea for one take, but like I mean it's right. just the, the simple practicalities of filmmaking don't you know the <laughs> the, the repeated experiences um, uh, make all all it's it, it's that much more artificial, and having this kind of rehearsal, having these kind of conversations is so is so critical. Um, the last thing that I just wanted to say, and then maybe maybe you can respond to this aspect of it, is that I also have new as an actor having walked onto set and even if you know that there's a scene with a sexual situation even if it's something that's just like a kiss or something more explicit like man it's just awkward like like if it's not talked about beforehand and if yeah. it's just sort of like you're going to just like you and the other actor is going to figure it out and then all of a sudden like you're in this physical circumstance and you know the DP is talking about lighting and gaffers are like arranging your rim light and whatever. And you're like, you know, half naked or naked, like, you know, in close contact with somebody who is a stranger, you know, or, 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 you know, a coworker, not a stranger, but a coworker. And, um, you know, I know that I've seen, like, I've certainly heard it from like my wife and like from the partners of other performers, you know, who, who don't who, who have concerns about these type of work situations. And, and there's a lot of stigma and like mythology around like actors, you know, like going on to set and having like sexual experiences with their coworkers that then like lead, you know, you know, it, like it just creates this like whole environment of like, of weirdness. And like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like it, it like this can be make-believe, like <laughs> it, it just doesn't have to be like that. And, um, Anyway, so yeah, there was a lot kind of going on in my head before reaching out and, and working with you. I guess, wh- how does that sort of resonate? Like, did you have any of these, you know, thoughts or or, or 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 feelings as you entered into this career? And have you encountered these things throughout your career?
1: First off, I'm realizing that I have um, leaf blowers coming by me right now. Tell me if it's too loud. <laughs>
0: the enemies to indie films that's everywhere <laughs> the leaf blowers it's okay, okay. i think okay. We'll, we'll, we'll forgive the leaf blowers okay, i please, think you can please. keep going for sure
1: <laughs> um <laughs> so yes there's there's so much um i think how to, there's so many things that you just said they're great um Yes, that's why I love speaking on those panels. So I'm so happy that you came and I'm so happy that uh, you had no other excuse to not talk to me. Um, (laughs) Because that is something that I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for the big budget projects that I've been able to be on and the incredible, you know, Oscar winning actors I've gotten to work with. But a lot of times they're at a point in their career where they're pretty in control and they've been through some, really rough things. And so they are very confident about what they are or not comfortable with. I still love working with that. And that's great for my resume. But I love working with indie filmmakers. And I love working with younger filmmakers and younger actors, freshly 18-year-olds. Like It's such a world of there are people who are very hardened by, I have dealt with this trauma. I didn't have you. I don't need you that element of it, which is completely understandable. But ideally what we are saying is like, we're trying to not continue that trauma, right? You know, just because we had experienced this trauma does not mean that we need to keep doing this to people. And so often, you know, you hear these horror stories of Lee's classic films, particularly how women, how actresses were treated. And these kind of things of psychological damage or physical sexual damage done to these performers by these actors or directors for the good of the film. And then these performers leave the business because of the trauma they've experienced. So my goal is that nobody should be traumatized personally by the work that they're doing. They should be able to do that job and then go home and feel comfortable with what they did. They feel empowered and they feel in control so that they continue to have a career. Nobody should be feeling pressured or feeling abused and feeling like you have to bury that down or just, you know, this is part of the business. We're doing so much to change the business right now. And the fact that, you know, the intimacy coordinators and the elements of intimacy were really only brought into the SAG-AFTRA agreements in 2020. So I'm teaching actors all the time. Here are new rights and rules for you that you don't even know about and that some productions don't realize. And so they might not even realize that they're not following the rules and that's also something in the current um, the current sag after agreements that are being that are being struck right now or struck to try and complete there are additional things about intimacy that we are wanting to add so it is an ongoing growing process but it's very new and it's very it's new in normalizing it and so that's the same thing i do end up with several directors who are like why do i need you what are you doing here and i'm I'm very warm and I end up, I've, I've managed so far knock on wood to have befriended every director that I've worked with. Um, Because, and some people think of me like the sex police, which is not my job. I'm not HR. That's not my job. Um, And so I am here again to help the creative vision come together in the same way a stunt coordinator would not be stepping on your toes. I will step in if something is not safe. But that is also something that I'm talking to with the first AD. And that's something that, again, if we're not following standards of safety, that's its own problem. But along the lines of your vision and your creative vision, I'm there to support that. And I'm just making sure that the actors are aware and consenting to all of the elements so that nothing is a surprise. And that I'm also totally comfortable talking about all the nuances and all the things that make other people nervous. Because if a director is too nervous to talk to the actors about the elements of a scene and it's like, okay, it's going to be a sex scene. Um, you know, just figure it out. If the director's uncomfortable, how are the actors supposed to feel comfortable? How are you supposed to feel, even if it's a completely consensual scene, how are you supposed to develop this level of comfort, physical comfort together with your coworker that you've maybe met that day? And yeah, like what you're saying, you're, you might have a partner who is not in the industry, that happens all the time. And so, h- what a weird job we have, right? There's not a lot of other jobs. Where you're like, bye, honey, I'm going to go make out with this person on set today. Um, or I'm going to go simulate sex on work today. I'm simulating a sexual violence scene. None of that is a typical job. So, being a partner of an actor is already such a, oh, you're doing the Lord's work as a partner yeah. of a <laughs> performer already. Um, and, you know, I, I have so much empathy. But if that's, if your brain doesn't work in the same type of creative way, it can be really hard on relationships to, to justify that, to feel comfortable with that. You hear these stories about couples coming together because they were in intimacy scenes together in film. And as a partner, it can be really hard to, you want to support your partner's creative dream, but you also want to make sure that your, um, your relationship stays solid. So honestly, uh, I kind of go above and beyond sometimes. I will talk to partners of actors if they want to talk to me. And I have seen that be a huge preventative factor because they feel like they're being heard well, and they're also feeling like valid in what their experience is, which is totally true. Yeah. And sometimes we will add things like if even if they're kissing and it's no, There's no nudity. You know, we have a lot of different barriers and things that we will use. But sometimes I'll have athletic cups that actors will put, like, in their pants between their pants and their underwear if there's any level of an actor sitting on top of them or anything like that, just so the partner at home feels comfortable, right? And so that everybody can go home and say, like, okay, we wore the hard cup this whole time. There was no level of any kind of friction or anything like that. Something like that often can make a huge difference, and then that helps that actor to be like, okay, I can stay focused in my scene right now. I'm not worried about how this is going to affect my partnership at home. I can stay focused in my character, and that's huge.
0: And that's a, and it's a very real thing, like because I, I mean these are things that people need to consider. And like a, a, anyone who's been in this industry, you will have watched relationships end because of this aspect of the work. You will watch relationships have suffered from the different aspects of this work, and um, uh doing these kind of preventative or just doing these kind of safety measures uh is not only incredibly helpful to the 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 work life balance of the performers but it, the other thing that struck me about working with you was how fun like this <laughs> work was like it was really fun to like to get super nerdy about the minutia of like what this moment means and bringing having you who is also who's a brilliant director like in your own right like having your director brain like come in and 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 refine those moments and we talk about it with the actors and just and just do rehearsal which like obviously like I'm a huge proponent of in the first place yeah um uh but to, to like you said to talk about all these things beforehand it was not the the it was not the sex police or the whatever police. (laughs) like this is fun if you're nerdy about drama like it was so fun to nerd out about these dramatic moments and what they meant to the characters which is the only reason why it should be in the movie in the first place
1: right yeah (laughs) oh that makes me so happy yeah because that's that's the joy that i have with it and i just want for people to feel empowered. I don't want people to feel like they can't tell stories of intimacy because I mean, that's the core of humanity. I feel like our connection between people, it's not necessarily a sexual intimacy at all times, but it is that vulnerability. And if you are feeling nervous about creating a space to, to do that, or if your actors are nervous on how to connect with each other with it, I love being able to bring a language of, you know, here's our boundaries. And again, I love the sandboxes. like, we know what our physical boundaries are, where we're allowed to touch, where we're not. And this is the sandbox. And now you can play within it. And I can give you as much choreography as you'd like, but you know what your rules are. And I see that so freeing for actors, that you're not second guessing every, especially when we're, you know, this is characters who are different times of, Being in a relationship together, they have different levels of physical comfort together. So, if you're wanting to show months of being together, years of being together, you know these different elements, you want to have that level of physical comfort to sell that immediately because an audience can tell. Yeah, if it's a phony, they can tell right away. So, yeah, I loved I loved working with you too. I mean, like I got to. It's so rare that I get to have a rehearsal day that's separate from the film day, especially on the bigger productions. They don't every once in a while, like with the series regulars or the leads, we get one or two of those, but it's usually on the day we're rehearsing it. So it was so fun and freeing to have a separate day with you and get back to my theatrical roots and just be like, okay, now we can play. We don't have the time restraints of a shoot day and really connect with these characters and see what it is. And And also like of the things that I always try to do to not um, step on director's toes too. I always like to see what your vision is, make sure that you're leading the rehearsal in the way that makes sense for you. And then if there's anything that I'm like, okay, maybe this could help. I really like to come from a physical standpoint of it and like a choreography standpoint um, or breath work or things that are very physically based. I try not to do too much of like intentions or the, storyline of the project, because that's typically the director's kind of bread and butter area. And I never want to step on toes. But sometimes if I'm like, okay, let's think about, you know, adding a magnetism here, adding different different types of physical work and, and connecting words that sometimes can help a more visceral connection with the actors. And I think that is a great support that I can offer to directors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love all that stuff too. The the, (laughs) the breath and physicality that, that dance like quality, another great sort of like metaphor to just throw in here when, when you can make these scenes, these moments, these real pieces of our humanity, like you were saying, when you can make it into a dance, like it's not as scary or as, or as, um, uh, you know, potentially, you know, abusive, manipulative, exploitative, um, like it can actually be heightened into the thing of beauty that you were trying to tell in the first place. And uh, just just a real joy and pleasure. Um, now, so kind of like shifting, shifting a little bit here, you know, there has been, like, I'm sure you, you're well aware, there's some headlines, you know, of people kind of talking about how they're reacting to the growing use of intimacy coordinators in, in the business. Uh, I know Mia Hansen love, uh, uh, French director, you know, talked about that. She felt that, you know, this was not a that she didn't need this. And I think she used language like morality police or, or something like that. Um, uh, Gaspar Noé, everyone's favorite um, uh, 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 sexual scene uh, director, uh, said we don't do that in France. And then <laughs> I think just recently, in uh, uh, just recently, Michael Caine uh, uh, was trotted out in front of a microphone and uh, spoke about how in his day, uh, intimacy coordinators were were not something that was necessary. How, how do you respond to some of these headlines that I'm sure end up, you know, coming up in the course of your day's work?
1: Well, it's also different. Um, so currently the rules are different in the United States versus Europe, right? Because we have the SAG-AFTRA contracts here. Uh, so places like France might not be using the same contracts. With SAG-AFTRA contracts, you cannot do any actual sex acts on camera ever as of 2020 before it was implied and now it's required um, so along those lines there is no room for what could be considered more of the indie film element of it of having actual sex acts or these different things that you will sometimes see in more european projects um, so yes and so also with actors who Again, come from a different generation that have come up in a different time, especially white male actors that have come up at a time and straight white male actors, they might say, well, I don't need that. That's totally understandable. It might not be for you. It might be for the part, your partner in the scene. Um, You might be unaware of how you are affecting your scene partner. And so, again, it is harder with people who are really set in their ways. They've been in the industry a long time. They know what they're wanting to do. But that's not everybody. I mean, I work with a lot of really wonderful, talented, straight white male actors who are big deals who want to be a good partner to their scene partner. They don't, for better or for worse, they don't want to be canceled, and so they want to make sure that they're respecting their You know, the fellow actors' boundaries. And so there can always be a resistance to change and a resistance to something different. But it was kind of interesting that it's sort of coming up at the same time that really prevalent at the same time that we're filming post, post-COVID, but still like during COVID times, when there was an entirely new department brought in, right? COVID had never been a department, and then it was taking over everything. Everyone's testing, you're doing all these additional safety measures, all of these like zones and all the stuff you've never done before. Right. But we did it in the same time that intimacy coordinators are coming in and we're like, yes, we've done it this way for so long. And now we're adapting and now we're doing something different. And again, it's an interesting time right now for intimacy coordinators. We're still, there's several things going on on us being able to unionize, but there is, and with all the strikes, it's kind of slowed those things down. Um, but we're new and it's, it can be scary. And also as of right now, there are some, recommended registries and suggestions of training, but there are no requirements for intimacy coordinators who are hired, which is alarming. Sometimes people can say they're an intimacy coordinator and they haven't had any kind of proper training in it. And that can cause issues. So I've worked with actors before who were like, I don't, I've worked with intimacy coordinator before and I hated it and I don't want to do it again. And then I talked to him one on one. And I was like, can you tell me what happened so that I can adapt and understand, you know, if there's any ways that I can support you. And he was like, well, you just talking to me to now is already different than what that person did. They didn't talk to me, they just showed up on the day and all these things. I was like, okay, that's not how it should be done. And so because it's such a new, new um, position, there's also this fear, there's this Potential issue of people who are really excited about it, who want to be intimacy coordinators, who are then saying they are and getting hired because they're cheaper and then causing harm on set. And then that is hurting our profession in a long run because then actors or directors are saying, I don't want to work with them again. They're a waste of time, da 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 da. And you're missing out a lot of the really great benefits that you can have of somebody who has taken the time to learn a very specific set of training.
0: Is there a future where intimacy coordinating is separated from like the fear of being canceled? Because my because my, my experience was was not that. Um, but I, I feel like the two things are, at least in, in the minds of these other directors that I had just cited, and in the mind, like sort of popular imagination, the two things are sort of interwoven.
1: Yes, and I will say almost in a positive way, typically. So a lot of productions will bring me in to prevent an issue. And because I'm also writing down everything, I'm writing down everything I'm doing during the day, I have a record of anything. So I've had productions come up where an actor has said, you know, this happened, and I have my written records from the day of saying I was present at this time, this is what happened, this is what didn't happen. And so it's also protection for the production to verify certain things. But then also for actors. So again, some actors I've worked with who are like, I'm comfortable with this scene, it sounds fine, but I'd really like an intimacy coordinator there just to confirm that I'm putting my hands in the right place so that nobody can say anything later that I didn't follow the right rules. So in the idea of not getting canceled, it's almost like I just want to make sure that I have a separate party that is present and that is verifying that I'm following the rules. I'm following what I'm supposed to do. And so it's a preventative of the canceling in a way that is positive, I think for everybody involved. And so sometimes sometimes, That is how we get productions interested in working with us is, you know, this is going to make you look a lot better. Or it's unfortunately, sometimes if you have a difficult director or something that they're like, we're worried something might be an issue, we'd like to have you there to help prevent that issue. So yes and no to that element of it. But I I feel like in a way that has helped us move forward and be more of a necessity.
0: (laughs) What what do you think the future of intimacy on set? looks like or what do you hope that it looks like
1: there's some really great things that are continuing to expand so there are some things that end up being included in for intimacy coordinators because we're sort of one of the first mental health elements on set and it's opening up a lot of doors for that of actually caring about the mental health and well-being of your cast and crew and also within intimacy coordinating that's not always the specific training that you have So there's a new position that's coming out of it, too, that's mental health coordinator that I'm training in as well, which is really exciting, so that we're specifically having additional training, like if you're dealing with any level of, like with withdrawal is doing, you have a very personal connection to this, but if someone were to write something about mental health or addiction that they didn't personally have a strong understanding of, you could have a mental health coordinator help develop that so that it is accurately represented on film and then help to deal with any level of mental triggers that might come up for the cast and crew while doing this type of work. So sometimes there's not nudity, sometimes there's not what is considered a simulated sex scene, or intimacy can be such a wide range of things, and so sometimes there could be someone there for the amount of vulnerability, the amount of exposure that a work might have that might not fall under intimacy and so it's been really exciting to see that continue to develop for new positions to be able to offer that and you know on set therapists having people having people on call so that you can there are phone numbers available for productions so that you have an access that is a free resource to you if you are having an experience because it can be really confusing especially for cast or crew because I've um Prior to intimacy work, you know, I've, I've had friends before where they were on sets where there was a, a sexual violence scene and I had a friend who was in a totally different department but she was a woman and they were like, okay, let's have her in the room with us while we're filming it so that we've got a woman in the room and she had her own experience with sexual assault and then is thrown into this room as the token woman to be present And she can't even look at it. She wasn't able to help her the actress get through it. It ended up being a really bad experience for both of them. So understanding that, again, even as crew, it's a super unique work environment to just hold a boom over this sexual violence scene or whatever it might be with whatever experience you might have. And it can be really confusing of how to process that experience. So there is some more mental health care going into helping crew recognize that, you know, you might not want to call the national hotline for domestic violence or something as watching a, watching experience on set. But now there are specific mental health call, like women in org has a hotline that you can call. If you are crew cast or crew, you can also call it to, if you have any kind of sexual harassment experience that they can help you with resources for that, but you can also call if you experience something on set and you're like, I don't know how to process this. It's not quote unquote real, but I experienced it and it is causing this reaction. I don't want to take up time on a hotline for people who are really experienced, quote unquote, really experiencing, you know, so it, yeah, it can yeah. be so psychologically confusing for the cast and crew. So I love that there's this care that is growing from this profession and that that's continuing to be a conversation and, you know, as things are changing, as we have this year of striking and people are like, I'm fed up, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. And also in the wake of COVID, it's people are like, I'm, I'm not willing to give up my life for these crazy hours for these, this just because it's been this way this whole time doesn't mean it should continue to do that. And so it's a really beautiful time of change and a time of growth in the industry and hearing voices from different you know, representation and letting people actually, represent you know there's so many bodies and voices that we don't hear from and so it's it's a time that that is changing and there's more space for that and it's there's some you know there's pushing up against the walls as that growth is happening but I'm very excited about where it's going and I think there's a really positive path for that
0: That's really interesting you you describing that situation that sort of like as an example of like why this this hotline or or these sort of services would be would be necessary just kind of like made me think that you know there's something about the film experience there's something about the theatricality of it the that it's not real but you're standing here watching it or participating in it um that when it when it when the vibes are off and like when things aren't right it it really ups the kind of emotional disturbance um yeah. I, I can think back to many there's something about that like the sort of unhinged theatricality of it and I think anybody who hasn't been through that situation or who hasn't been on a film set can imagine you know if you ever watch a tv show where they're staging some sort of like you know tr- traumatic event it's often like made worse by the bystanders who are like watching it happen Or the TV show does a really good job of including you as the audience, as sort of like making you feel sort of a part of the action, and it's like dirtier and worse that you're sitting here watching it happen. Well, that can happen in like real time on a film set, and it not only is it you know listen maybe this is me like just thinking about production and which is a (laughs) wrong perspective, but like not only is it going to be traumatic for your cast and crew, but it can really like derail your your group, you know your your collaboration like if something goes off or goes wrong or people are just like getting this you know if you haven't considered something in rehearsal beforehand and all of a sudden like everyone is now taking part of something that they feel kind of um uh not great about and it kind of spreads through the crew right like you know like Mm -hmm. like like people can all kind of like suddenly start feeling it all at the same time and just pushing through it is not not necessarily the answer um and I think that is another just kind of like unique component of the, the filming job experience that, again, is like not really a part of, you know, your, I don't know many consulting firms that are like dealing with this on a day in, day out basis.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think along those lines too, I mean, I'm lucky to be in a position that it is kind of standard with the work that I'm doing that I can speak up when something is wrong or something is not going the way that we planned. Whereas if you don't have an intimacy coordinator, it, who does that can sometimes be confusing. You know, the safety on set does typically go to the AD, but like in the experience that I have that, that did not go well, the AD was a friend of mine who I loved, who who's a very talented AD. He thought I was in character when I was crying in between takes, when I was in a really rough spot. And he was like, well, I don't want to mess with her process. But he didn't ask me at the top of the day, you know, and so figuring out ahead of time, what is or is not within someone's process, because that's part of what I do, too, is talking to the actor ahead of time, like, if you're in it, I'm not here to mess with your process, I just need either a thumbs up or something, you don't even have to look at me, but we need to figure out a way that I know if we're doing some really hard work, that I can tell whether or not you are having an actual traumatic experience as the actor versus within your character. And that might be a level of safety that an AD has not been trained in. So that's part of the original protocols that I was creating was to help inform ADs on like, here's how we ask these questions at the top of the day versus in the middle of the scene. But now it's so much more helpful to have intimacy coordinator as a separate job because ADs have so much going on. But they are typically the one that's like, hey, this is unsafe, or hey, this is the problem. But if they can't quite recognize it or it's something they haven't experienced before or if it's somebody of a different gender identity than them and they might not feel like they can speak up in that moment or if they think it's their part of their process, all of that can really throw off the care for the performer, even with the best of intentions. So that can be a huge sticking point.
0: I also I think it's also uh, like there's so many different aspects of safety an ad has to consider during the day and there's there might just be elements of of being overloaded or sort of decision fatigue and with the, and and because this is a changing aspect of this um of this profession that that might not be their first priority or like they said they default to sort of like the sort of like storytelling we've been told about the movie making process of oh this is part of someone's process or even worse like Oh, you know uh you know the director wants this actress to be an emotionally vulnerable state to get the right mm-hmm. shot or, right or the right feeling which um i i don't know how do you feel about some of the like the mythology around like <laughs> you know director manipulation of talent or around sort of the like method actor going to any extremes to like get to tell the character how do you, How do you feel about all this sort of stuff
1: I feel like it is disrespectful of an actor's talent to try and manipulate their work by actually traumatizing them or not giving them consent in some kind of scene for a director to behave that way. There are some actors that want that. And so they're like, I want to be surprised in this scene. That's fine. If that is a communication that you have had, okay. But your process, and it is typically men typically white men method process that is then hindering or hurting the other people in your scene with you then that is no longer conducive to everybody doing their best work so if you want to be method if you want to stay in that character if you need to do that for your process totally fine but if you are then harassing or bothering your co-stars outside of what is scripted and what is being filmed that's not okay so I don't allow any space for harassing or traumatizing other actors for your character. Um, I think it is a very, I have a lot of opinions about people who feel like they need to do that to, to tell their story. Um, and again, I feel like that can be really belittling of the other performers' work and their ability and it is often the people who have less power on set that are the receiving end of that kind of method treatment. Um, and I don't really have space for that on, my, on the sets that I work with. So I am I am very inclusive of whatever kind of work you want to do and whatever need, you need to do. If you want to go sit in the corner and cuss, punch a wall, do whatever you need to do to stay in that mindset, fine. But do not. Harass the other actor while you're doing that. So I think there are ways that you can follow whatever works for you without being um, disrespectful or uh, abusive to your co workers. That's my opinion.
0: Hot take. Hot take. Yeah, I'm with you. I think all that stuff's total bullshit. Um, yeah, and uh, and it really drives me. It really drives me crazy. Um, and uh, I think it's also like I remember as a young actor myself feeling so seduced by it, um, feeling like that was something that that yeah that somehow I wanted or that I was supposed to want or like that was mm-hmm. that was the way to be uh you know great and going you know having worked in the business for uh, a number of years. Uh you just realize like how kind of like bullshit how like m- the marketing machine around films and around storytelling and myth making of movies you know kind of like gins up these details, but then mm. they get into the water supply, and then all of a sudden like actors themselves are believing this is somehow necessary, and it's just so horrible it it drives me crazy
1: yeah yeah i mean yeah i i have I have worked with big actors who again, you know, if you want to stay, if you want to be referred to as your character, you want to stay in that. And especially it can be hard, right? You're jumping back and forth from being an asshole and, or what, you know, whatever that experience is. And you might just say like, I got to stay in this mindset. That's fine. Just let me know. Great. I know that we're doing that. I'm going to stay the hell over here. You give me a thumbs up across the room. If you need anything, I'm here, but that's, That's it. There are ways to to do that. And I have some actors who are like, I just got to keep my headphones on. I can't talk to anybody. I got to be in it. Great. Cool. Do whatever you need to do to get you there. These scenes are very vulnerable. They can be really heavy, especially if you're a perpetrator of something. That can be emotionally really hard. And that's often not thought about. Um, Yeah. The aftercare and the safety of the person doing that. So I'm all for Creating a space where you are able to do what's best for you within your trailer or within a private space where I always advocate for a private space when we have it uh, for the actors to decompress between takes and these different elements. Even if it's like for our shoot, it was like, here is a tiny laundry room. Here is your little room. You know, (laughs) we can work on whatever budget we have, but the making that space for an actor to decompress between these scenes can be huge. So that you're not having these explosive behaviors just out in front of everybody as well.
0: Yes, yes, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, all this kind of like leads up to sort of like the myth of like the crazy artist, the crazy actor, and you got to be crazy if you're gonna if you're gonna do this kind of work. And it it's just that was a that was a mentality that honestly, like I used to justify my addiction to myself because I thought mm. that like I was supposed to be this crazy unhinged person. And I was a lot more crazy and unhinged when I was on hard drugs than when I wasn't. So (laughs) it it like kind of all like rolled into one. And maybe that's where some of my like antipathy towards this sort of myth making comes from. Uh, Christina, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. And I really just, I know I said it before, but I can't reiterate enough. What a joy and a pleasure it was to, to work with you and to continue working with you on this film. Um, And just how glad I am that I, got over those fears and insecurities of having never reached out to an intimacy coordinator before. And I would encourage any independent filmmaker to do the same because it was an absolutely joyful experience.
1: I'm so glad. Yeah, I don't always get the check-in from the director after we work together. So this is also very validating for me to get to have this kind of conversation about it because... That is something that I want to do, especially in a right-to-work state in Georgia, where there's so much non-union work, there's so much independent work, and there's so many actors that want to work, and so many indie filmmakers who want to do things right, to do things well, but maybe don't have the education or the access to it. And so that's why, personally, for me, I'm really passionate about being accessible at every level level and you know also this year we've talked about I was like well strike's still going on I'm still able to be there in person you know so sometimes if it's something I can't do I have other people that I'm training or working with that I can then provide for the smaller budget projects but it's trying to make it accessible at every stage because often that's when you're the most vulnerable are these indie projects and when you're getting your first part and you're like well I don't feel good about this nudity element or something like this, but it's my first chance. And da, da da da. And it's so much that I'm like, okay, if you have a trauma at the beginning of your career, how is that going to affect the trajectory versus saying no when your spidey senses are going off? Yes. And that's something that I'm always trying to take. And then sometimes with per- productions, if your spidey senses are going off, and then you say, okay, I'll do this if we have an intimacy coordinator, and then I can come in and help teach that production. Or have other people that say, okay, this is why it's not a safe setting for this actor. Here's what we can do to change that. And so many indie filmmakers are like, oh, okay. And it's not costing you more. It just takes some more time on the pre-pro side of it. And so even if it is something that doesn't need an intimacy coordinator, sometimes I can help you feel like, realize like, oh, we need to rehearse this ahead of time. Or we need to clarify what our shots are going to be and what the expectations are ahead of time so that the actors know what to expect it doesn't have to cost more it shouldn't be a thing of oh well I don't want to hire an IC but I still want to do this content but I can't afford them you know and so it shouldn't in my opinion it should not be an issue of unaccessibility because it's so important to our indie market to be able to protect everybody as they're coming up and and normalize these kind of safety standards so that when you get to the big productions, you're like, oh yeah, this is old hat. I've done this, I know what to expect. And again, so that this whole career or this whole generation of really thoughtful filmmakers are able to carry that over into their work. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I connected with you so immediately. It was the the care that I could see you're putting into your project and obviously the very personal nature in which this project is, but I love intimacy like this like in this film that is maybe not always sexual but it is so vulnerable and how do we explore intimacy in a way that just breaks your heart and just shows people at their core and that's what's exciting to me and seeing you know you don't always see that in the big budget stuff you see that in indie filmmaking and so putting that same level of care and and kindness into how you do that is so important for how filmmaking is going to continue to develop in the indie world. That's my pitch.
0: <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Christina, where can people follow you? Where can they find you? Where can they reach out to you about hiring you?
1: Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Christina So it's Christina with a K K R I S T I N A dot Arjona, A R J O N A. I'm also at ChristinaArjona.com and then ChristinaArjona.ic at gmail.com if you want to email me for any consultations or questions. Um, And I also say too, I don't ever charge actors who have an audition that they have a question about that has intimacy in it. So please always reach out. Um, I'm always happy to help you know what your rights are. And then I'm always happy to help talk to indie filmmakers on every budget level. If you have a question, if you're like, I don't know, does this even need an intimacy coordinator? I'm happy to answer that question. And that, you know, we can have a check on that before you have to decide whether or not you're going to hire somebody. So please, 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 I'd rather you be on the side of checking in versus being like, oh, I can't afford it. I shouldn't even ask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We'll have links to all those down in the show notes. Y'all reach out check in talk to christina you will not be disappointed i want to thank everyone out there for listening today as always you can email me with any of your questions not intimacy related behind <laughs> the site audit at gmail.com i will just refer you to christina if you do and uh i think that's all we have for right now until next time that is a wrap